You're listening to Keeping on the Move, stories of real-life adventures, with moderator Dr. Trevor Dyson Hudson. Joining him will be several panel members, Scott Chesney, Charles Fleischer, Ronald Moore, Maggie Redden, and Paul Ward. Scott Chesney is a world traveler, professional life coach, and the president of Scott Chesney, LLC. Charles Fleischer is the founder of Beyond Wheels, an organization devoted to promoting sports and recreation and sharing employment resources for people with mobility challenges. Ronald Moore is the Peer Program Coordinator and SCI Services Assistant at Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation. He enjoys skydiving, riding roller coasters, and surfing. Maggie Redden is a Paralympian who participated in the 2008 Games and currently works in the Office of Disability Education and Review for the Social Security Administration. And our final panelist is Paul Ward, the coordinator of Disabled Services and Guest Relations for the New York Yankees, and also plays wheelchair basketball with the New York Rolling Knicks. Here's stories and real-world advice from people with SCI or other physical disabilities who have remained active in their communities. It's really a privilege to be able to welcome these, um, again, my name's Trevor Dyson Hudson, and up here on the stage is a collection of people who truly have been on the move. Uh, this afternoon is focused on travel, but this is really an open session. Um, we'll cover all aspects of on the move. Um, what I'm going to do, so joining me here up on the stage is Charlie Fleischer, Ron Moore, Scott Chesney, who you met. Paul Ward and Maggie Redden. And what I'm going to do is allow each of them uh, five minutes or so just to give a brief description, overview of themselves, what they do, some examples of them being on the move or what they do. And then, uh, and then we can open it up to the floor for discussion and questions and comments and then and go from there. So, Charlie? So, my name is Charles Fleischer. I uh, was injured in 1988 in a car accident, had a spinal cord injury, received a C5-6 injury. <clears throat> Since then, I, I was able to go back to college, graduate from Rutgers, start my own stall business, uh, author a book about people turning challenges into opportunities, and also I'm a, a professional speaker, so I speak to all kinds of audiences all over the place. Um, Getting used to being in a chair uh, is a bit of a process. I had to take baby steps. I've been able to travel to uh, three continents at this point, do cross-country speaking tour, visit most of the, a lot of national parks, go surfing, skydiving. But it doesn't it isn't like I was able to do this. Yes, you know, one thing happened to me one day, and I could do this all the next day. Little steps. I just took one trip for a day, what do I need? A trip for two days, what do I need? What do I need to bring? So there's a, a lot that goes into whoever you are getting used to traveling. So that's what we're here for, that's what I wanna share with you because I do have a lot of experience traveling and I'm very grateful to be able to do that. I also am on my fourth vehicle driving. So I've got over, probably over a half million miles of actual drive time. Mm. Okay, I'm Ron Moore. Uh, I think a lot of you already know me. I uh, work here at Kessler as the coordinator for the peer mentor program. I also do spinal cord injury education here at Kessler. 
I am a voice for injury prevention for the Think First program in New Jersey, which speaks to school-age kids about safety. Uh, my um, motivation with getting out there and doing a lot of different things had a lot to do with my internal drive, but it also had a lot to do with uh, my daughter when she was born. And my motivation there was just to be a role model for her so that she could look back on me um, when she's all grown up and say, if my old man can do what he can do or did, I can do anything I want to do. Um, and it also got me out there to start going on vacation every year. So a lot of my vacations are with my daughter, with my family. Um, so I've been on uh, probably, I think, five cruises, uh, love cruises. Um, we've been out to California, San Diego. We've been to Virginia, um, been to Florida, so we've done a lot of traveling. Um, but like Charlie said, it really starts with little baby steps. I didn't wake up one day and all of a sudden I was doing all this stuff. So it starts with baby steps. And my biggest advice was don't let anything hold you back. Just go out and start doing it. Whatever it is you have in your mind to do, just start to do it. So. Uh, my name is Scott Chesney. Uh, if you weren't here earlier, um, I started off the day with Trevor. Um, 46 years old, and I say that because I just got back from Boston last weekend, and two people thought I was 25, and one person thought I was 35, so um, I'll go with 46 with you guys. Um, I've been in a wheelchair now, be 31 years in December. A lot of times you hear about accidents and injuries. I didn't have either. Um, I actually had an illness. I was born with a congenital AVM, an arterial venous malformation. Basically, I was told I could go, go my entire life without anything happening, but when I was 15 years old, on December 28, 1985, I awoke to a numb big toe after a high school basketball game. Thought nothing of it, 48 hours later, that numbness went up both legs and left me paralyzed from about T7, T8 downward. Again, no accident, no injury, no trauma, it was just my time. Uh, I have to tell you, um, and it's been a long road, it's been a rewarding road. Um, I wouldn't trade the last almost 31 years of my life for anything. I'm very fortunate that I had the 15 years on my feet. I hope there's gonna be 15, if not more, back on my feet again. But I've adopted um, a, a pretty good plan that works for me, and it's one that says I'm gonna do absolutely everything I can uh, to maximize my life in this wheelchair. Um, that's one of my path, to live life to its fullest, a lot of which we talked about here today. Uh, the other part of that is that, you know, I'm going to do everything in my power to get back on my feet again. Um, because I want to walk again. I want to regain movement. Like Dr. Wise Young, I I'm one of those guys. I want to poop and pee on my own again. Um, that's something that's very important to me. So that's the second path that I'm on to the point where when this thing called life is over, all I know it's just going to be one heck of uh, a momentous ride and one that it's either on my feet or in a wheelchair. To me, it's in insignificant at this time. Um, I will tell you this though, is that there are cures, there are uh, along the way. I'm one of those people that actually wanted to father my own children uh, more than walking again, more than probably pee peeing and pooping. And don't get me wrong, I'd be blessed if I could adopt a child. That would be my own child as well. It's something my wife and I still talk about doing. But I went from a 2% chance to a 55% chance of fathering my own children. And just getting out of school right now is my 13-year-old daughter and my 11-year-old son. I call them impossible. Uh, but they remind me every day of what's not only possible for me, but for everybody else. Um, I'm a motivational speaker. Um, I'm learning from Charlie every day. 
Um, I've traveled to 38 countries. I've spoken to over a million people. Um, I'm fortunate in that I've tapped into my passion and purpose in life. Maybe you saw the row wheels out there. I'm one of their spokesmen. Totally believe in their technology. And again, just whatever I need to do to live life to its fullest. Um, I will tell you this weekend before I hand the phone off because I'm getting really excited. And uh, I'm going surfing again this weekend. It was my passion before I became paralyzed. It's my passion now. And they're telling me, and I'm not going to tell you where because I don't want you to cramp my style and come out and steal my waves. But uh, my coaches told me that the, the biggest waves you've faced so far are going to be facing you this weekend. So I'm like, bring it on. Bring it on. Hi, everyone. My name is Paul Ward. I forgot um, how great a speaker Scott is. I should have had uh, Maggie sit next to him so I didn't have to follow him. Um, but I was born paralyzed. I have spina bifida. Um, so I'm a little bit different than some of the other people who are up here. Um, it's really being in a wheelchair or being um, using crutches and braces is all I've ever known. Uh, what I think is really huge is having a support system around you, which it, obviously if you're here, then you probably have a decent support system. Um, so with my family, my parents, they were s so great. They always pushed me to do different things. I've um, done wheelchair racing. I play wheelchair basketball. I've kayaked. I've skied. I've traveled to Europe, to Hawaii. Um, lots of different places. And uh, I mean, I'm just really excited to be here and answer any questions you may have. I also am um, coordinator of disabled services and guest relations with the New York Yankees. So uh, my job in itself is to try to make things accessible for everyone. And that's really a huge passion for me. So um, great, I'll pass off to Maggie here. Um, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Maggie Redden. Uh, I was actually born in India after I had, uh, I was adopted when I was two years old after I had contracted polio as an infant. Uh, nowadays, I, I don't live too far from here in Newark and I work as a legal assistant for Social Security. I've had the opportunity to do a lot of different things in my life, a lot of which has been uh, traveling. Uh, the entire world. I was able to return to India in 2012 and I, I spent the year abroad living and working at an orphanage uh, for girls, a lot of whom had disabilities and that, that experience really uh, opened my eyes up to what my life could have been like. And a lot of my other travels have been through sports. I've been able to go to Australia, and South America, Brazil, and in 2008, I competed in the Beijing Paralympic Games uh, in track and field. So I am actually, I, I've had a lot of opportunities, and I'm grateful, actually, just like Scott and the rest of um, my fellow panelists, I've had an amazing life, and I'm not too sure that I would, would have had uh, some of those opportunities had it not been for my disability. So. Um, my, my piece of advice is I always like to say yes when I'm trying new things, and then after I say yes, I like to figure out how I'm going to do it. Thanks. So I think uh, collectively up here, I don't know how many years of experience of being on the move we have, but uh, ranging from sports and uh, recreation and things like that to actually flying. 
Um, so I think what we thought we would do is open it up to you guys out there to see if there's any initial questions, and then uh, we can go from there. So, are there any? Ah, yes. I mean, you well, were um, injured at a young age and you had friends and there was that transition. Well, I was going to suggest, well, depending on how many steps, you could have a portable ramp. Most of the time it's like three steps. So three steps, you might be able to have a portable ramp. Um, for me, um, I'm usually going someplace. I have, this chair is kind of heavy because it's power assist. But with uh, two strong guys, it's usually okay to get upstairs with two strong guys. Um, so you could get instruction from people here about how to properly instruct people to help you get upstairs. Uh, so that, that's an option as far as if you can't get into the bathroom, my friends are always willing to help me with my leg bag or something. Um, that's what friends do. You know, they'll, they'll offer to, to use a, a bottle, a Mountain Dew bottle, wherever you need. <laughs> so those kinds of things, those are kinds of things that, um, like one of the other panelists said, you say yes, and then you, you figure it out if there's a problem later. No. Yeah, yeah, please, Scott. Um, I can relate a little bit. Uh, when I was 15, I mean, it's, your, your friends are your friends. And the best way that I like to do this sometimes, okay, if the tables were turned and you were on your feet and they were in a situation, when you have friends, you'll do anything. You'll troubleshoot. What I found was very important, though, is to talk to them. They're my friends. I want to know, want them to know. Uh, about my peeing, my pooping, um, what I need, how I should be carried and everything. And they wanted to know. They couldn't get enough of learning how to do that. And if there's that possibility, uh, I mean, and I want to hear about, like, I got two strong guys to guy. I've seen what women can do. Yeah. So uh, you guys will find a way, probably smarter than we will, and busting our backs or something uh, to make things happen. But I would leave it up to them. 
I have to tell you, even in public places where, so you have your friends around at a house, public places where the bathrooms weren't accessible, if I went outside I wasn't getting back into place, I would have friends make a basic wall around me, okay? They would make a wall around me and whether it was catheterizing or at the time I emptying, I know it sounds, but you know what? I wanna be there with my friends. I wanna have the experience. I don't want them to feel awkward and I don't wanna feel awkward. So I kinda just lay everything out on the table and you know what, rather than getting so caught up by fear, because that's all it is, and it's probably more of an issue for you than it is for your friends, and that's perfectly understandable. Again, I think if you say to yourself that the tables were turned, ah, let's just go make it happen. We'll figure it out when we get there. As Ron knows, I'm a, I was a golf alcoholic. I used to play three days a week. I was wondering if any of you up here have played with the uh, special cart that they have. Any golfers? Any Golfers or experience with this or? Any experience I know there's some phenomenal people. This is as far as my handicap goes. I don't need a handicap at all. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I was a 12 I haven't played, but I have a friend who actually had a, an avium, but it was in his brain. And he's recovered to the point where he's doing golf clinics. So I could probably try and put you in touch with him and he might be able to tell you if there's something that you could be doing in your situation. That would be great, thank you. Sure. You know, Jerry, my understanding of the ADA now is that all public courses have to have a, an accessible uh, golf court. So. That France is burned yet, okay? <laughs> That's the closest one right right here. Right. Um, and, you know, because I'm new to this, my goal, as you know, was to play next year. Mm -hmm. So um, I've seen it online, and uh, it looks like it would be like a stand-up chair, only in a cart where you would stand up and be able to swing the golf ball. Mm -hmm. I know the cart pivots. Some yeah. of them pivot so that you have that access to swing. Right. I know that didn't look too good, but that's kind of what you do. Uh, yeah. you got to keep this left arm Okay, okay, you can teach me. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? So, so I know Scott, uh, for those who uh, weren't here or, and were here, Scott talked about affecting a change once you left. And sometimes the biggest challenge is where do I start? So, uh, Charlie, I know, you know, and, and I'm then going to go to Ron because each of you probably had different experiences. How did you transition? So, you know, you go from being injured and now you're starting, like, you want to get out and do recreational therapy. How did you start? How did you affect that change that Scott talked about? Well, the initial change started around, as Scott talked about, around your friends. Your friends still want to interact with you. You still want to interact with your friends. So what are they doing? Are they going to a barbecue? Can they help you get in? Can they help you get into the back? Can, you get, can they help you get to a movie? You know, I, when I first got hurt, I didn't have an accessible vehicle. My friends, would, they, you know, they taught me how to transfer from a wheelchair into a car uh, with a slide board, and I just transferred that knowledge onto my friends, and they would help me just transfer into a car and out of a car. So that was a start. Of course, my first friend had a, had a Bronco, so that was interesting. A little bit not, not too easy to transfer into, but they worked it out. Um, so just, you know, again, baby steps. Do something simple and relatively easy 
you know, don't run off and spend the month in Thailand your uh, week after getting out of the hospital. Wait and do something simple uh, to get to get started. Ron, how did you get into the rec therapy? How did you explore those different? Well, I was very active before my injury. I uh, did a lot of boogie boarding, never a surfer. Um, I was at the beach, I rode a bike, I went to the gym, I hiked, I did a lot of different things. Um, so really when the opportunity came around to uh, do accessible surfing, it just seemed like a natural transition, that something I really wanted to do. So I learned a lot about uh, and it's not a plug, it's true. I learned a lot about rec stuff here at Kessler from people at Kessler. Um, so when that opportunity came around, I just um, jumped on it. And it was the greatest thing because I got in the water, felt the salt water in my mouth again. I was going in on the surfboard and I got wiped out. I was rolling around in the waves and the sands in my ears, up my nose. and. I just, when I came out of the water, I, I actually started to cry a little bit because I remember all those feelings came back in like a second and it was the greatest thing. Um, I always wanted to go skydiving before my injury and I never had a chance, so I said, well, I'm going to go skydiving now and put that together. Charlie was there, a um, bunch of other people. I loved going on roller coasters before my injury. Um, I had an opportunity, someone was putting together a group of people to go to Six Flags with volunteers. Um, we went to Six Flags and the volunteers helped us out of our wheelchairs and onto rides and roller coasters. So I've been on several roller coasters. Word of warning, if you have no trunk control, do not go on a roller coaster that doesn't lock your upper body ahead. <laughs> so, word of warning. But I learned the hard way, uh, I still had a good time. So. I don't know, I guess it's something that I wanted to carry on from before my injury and things that I still wanted to do and I was afforded the opportunity and the graciousness of volunteers to be able to do that stuff. So, Just to add something, there's a program, there's a lot of programs out there with a lot of great volunteers that'll pitch in and help. I've been, <clears throat> I've been sailing with a, with a company up in Lake George where they, you could sail with a sip and puff, skiing at Windham Mountain, which is not that far at, from here, 200 volunteers. Um, <clears throat> there's, a, uh, there's a glider plane place not far from here. Remember the name of it? Uh, Freedom's, Freedom's, Freedom's Wings. Wings. They'll take you in a glider plane. My, the guy who was my instructor was a C-5-6 quadriplegic. So I know that's going to make your imagination go crazy. Two C-5-6 quadriplegics in a plane, right? Sounds dangerous. Sounds like a joke. <laughs> yeah. How many quadriplegics does it take to fly a plane, right? So there are programs out there with people who will pitch in and help. No, and actually now is coming up to be a good time to do soaring uh, with the Freedom Wings because it's starting to cool off. You're up there in the sky with a big canopy with the sun beating down on you with the cooler air. And also, uh, it's beautiful because the leaves will start turning. I think they do it out at the Delaware Water Gap or around there. Right? When I did it, it was just across the river from Frenchtown, which is only about mm -hmm. 45 minutes from here. So I'm going to jump over you, Scott, to go to Paul, because I know sometimes I know I've had questions from people if they want to get involved, like they want to try wheelchair basketball or a team sport, where do they start? How do they find out about these resources? I mean, there's so many 
resources uh, just in general, but like wheelchair basketball in New Jersey, there's um, a bunch of different teams, but I mean, I would probably first start with the Wheelchair Sports Federation. Um, it's run by a man named uh, John Hamry. He's also involved with Wounded Warriors as well. Um, that's his full-time job. But we also, we have, there's wheelchair basketball right in like the Hackensack area. I know they practice at Hackensack Middle School, probably starting right around um, in the next couple of weeks. So you can pretty much just show up. Usually it's Wednesday night, seven to nine. Um, my team is, um, I play for the New York Rolling Knicks. We practice at the Bronx Rec Center. The, sorry, the West Bronx Rec Center. It's right by Yankee Stadium, like five minutes away from there. Um, so that's an easy, cool thing to check out too if you wanna just, even if you wanna just observe, um, you don't, we don't need to throw you right in there right away. But um, if you're looking to just kind of see what else, what's out there, um, I mean, also, uh, like if you're interested in road racing or hand cycling, um, there's Children's Specialized Hospital in Mountainside. Um, they have a great program there as well. I'm sure uh, Maggie can talk to you a little bit about that. Um, does your mom help still with them? So uh, her mom helps out there, so that's a good resource too. Um, and then even in Connecticut, there's uh, track and field too. I mean, there's so many different opportunities. Um, all you do, all you really have to do is Google it, and um, it's pretty easy to to find. I would say. Um, also, in this area, there's the Tri-State uh, Wheelchair and Ambulatory Athletics, uh, and if you wanted to any more information on that, I could pass that along. Um, and also on uh, the Team USA website, if you go under the Paralympics tab, you can see all the Paralympic sport clubs, and there's a couple in this area as well. So the, those are good ways to get started. Now, Maggie, I saw that you also do horse riding. Can you tell us oh. about that? Um, that? That photo was just from the other weekend. Um, I used to do a lot of riding when I was very young, and I started doing horseback riding for therapeutic reasons and it really helped uh, with my trunk strength and my balance and I hadn't done horseback riding in a long time but we, um, I decided to take my mom out for her birthday and um, we just googled a place up by uh, it was in North Jersey and we we told them ahead of time that um, you know I used a wheelchair and I would need some help getting up on the horse and they were perfectly okay with that and we showed up and they manage, and that, that's an example of saying, yes, I want to do something, and then figuring it out. And Scott, I know you've done a little bit of everything. I know you're a big surfer, and so if people in the audience are interested in getting surfing, how do, where do they start? Is it too cold? Can you still well, surf? Well, it's interesting. In terms of the too cold question, I, um, I want to say about three weeks ago, just with the family, we ended up catching up with a few families, and I didn't go surfing, but anytime I'm close to the ocean, I want to get in the ocean. And it was uh, 63 degrees. Ooh. And I have a wetsuit when I surf now, but I didn't go in with the wetsuit. And I stayed in there for about um, an hour. And a couple friends were in and out, but somebody was, I mean, I can swim by myself, so there wasn't a problem. But I got out. And uh, thank God for my son. Uh, because my wife and daughter were talking for a while, and my son tapped my wife on the shoulder and said, um, I think something's wrong with Dad. <laughs> and my lips were blue, and I couldn't get warm. 
and it was the first time ever I could not get warm. So my wife, who's a physical therapist, it's a, she just uses me for the parking. Don't think it's a good thing here. Um, so that was a joke. Are you got come on? <laughs> you can laugh. So anyway, she uh, came over. She wasn't alarmed, and we just kind of started patting different parts of my body. And I came to, and um, with regards to getting um, the the sensation um, back and just feeling. Uh, better about I'd never experienced that but they said I was probably in the beginning stages of hypothermia so now that I've shared that with you and have gotten you really scared no but it was a good lesson that I learned because I am planning on surfing through the fall through the winter because there's competitive adaptive surfing that I want to get into um, but with regards to my start so um, again I told you I was 15 when I was paralyzed I never got on my feet. We always went down to the Jersey Shore, and I went belly board and did all that and hung out at surf shops but never had taken the lessons. I was actually planning on doing it the following summer had this not happened to me. So um, I, I got involved with an organization called Life Rolls On, and they actually do it throughout the country, adaptive surfing. Now, I, I want to say for the past four years, they have uh, over Father's Day weekend down in Wildwood Crest is that that's one of their locations is that you can go out there and they will help you um, from getting out of your car if you need that all the way to getting into the ocean and catching some waves. Um, I stopped doing that about a year ago. Um, I think it's a great organization and I love it but I had a few friends who said uh, you want more than this. You, you want bigger waves. You want to go left and right on a wave, not just straight ahead. So now I'm taking waves like 100 yards that way, 200 yards that way, and, and I can't get enough. And it's just one of those things that I, I like to call a passion. It's a passion of mine. And I know sometimes we think about passions and maybe we get a little sad because we say, well, you know what, uh, I'm, on, I'm in this wheelchair now and I can't fulfill this passion. We're talking a, lo a lot about activities. Sometimes I meant it's skydiving, I meant doing that, that might be extreme. This can be any kind of passion. I meant on the move, this could be about doing crafts, this could be about music, it doesn't have to be about all this athletic stuff. It can be, if you're talking about, but something that makes your heart sing. And I'm just saying, um, find a way. Find a way to still have it part of your life. Now, I, I, I used to play football, I love football. And I know that there's wheelchair football, but it really doesn't jazz me too much. But I, I love watching football. I coach football now. Um, I do things with kids with football, so I'm still around it. I'm still passionate about it. So don't abandon the passion just because you may not be able to do it the same way or, or, or do it the way you would want to, but because it still makes your heart sing, find a way. And wow, and, and I, I know being in a wheelchair, we still have that ability to teach. We still have the ability to play to a certain degree, and I can't think of anything better than sharing that passion, maybe through a teaching sense. And it could come within a physical realm as well, as helping someone else do it. That's part of our service here, and helping. So, um, And I'll just add to what Scott said, because it is just sometimes the simple things, the quality of life. So sure, I had a border collie before my injury and after, and our she didn't herd sheep, she played catch. And that was her passion. And after my injury, I couldn't do that. You know, I'm quad, I can't throw very well. And she's smart. She would get used, to, at first she'd run way out, waiting for the ball to come. But then she'd realize I would only throw the ball this far. So she would come here, she'd catch it, put it back in my lap. So I mean, it was good, but I couldn't do anything. We also had a German Shepherd who would intercept the ball, so I could really not even throw it to my Border Collie. So then my girlfriend got me something called a Chuck It. 
um, which is this wand where you can load a tennis ball. And we, we put a strap on, this was before I did a tendon transfer to my hand, put a strap on it so that I could chuck that, that tennis ball and it would go as far as, almost as far as when I would throw it. And it was the best thing because it was a way for me to connect with the dogs. You know, I didn't have children, these were my children. And it, it, just, it, op it just changed my quality of life. So it's just these little things. It doesn't, don't have to be extreme sports. You know, it can just be gardening, you know, working around the house, um, building something. You know, so these are all just little quality of life things. I, I wanted to add to that quickly, Trevor, is that just think about your titles in life. I mean, it, it could be mother, it could be father, it could be sister, it could be brother, it could be worker, it could be a friend. Just think of those titles and then just think about, you know what, how you want to be, how you want to fulfill those titles. And don't let the wheelchair stand in your way. Again, it might be modified and so forth, but just put those titles, if that's the beginning for you, put those titles um, in front of you and just say, hey, you know what, how do I want to be as a friend now? What do I want to do? What are some of my hobbies? If I'm a brother or sister, how often do I want to spend time with the family? Maybe no time. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's really up to you, but um, wow, I, I, I've always said, and I probably should have said this in the beginning, I always say the only place a true disability resides is in our attitude, and, and that's really a choice when you think about it, and so uh, there are plenty of people who have full use of their bodies right now who are disabling themselves from an attitude standpoint and are struggling and suffering. Um, I believe that's a choice, um, and so whatever it is that you want to do, music, crafts, um, it, it could be sports, it could be like getting back to work, going back to school. I meant really set those goals for yourself and ask yourself, um, and, and I loved how you were talking before, because right now, what, what was very, I'm sorry, your first name again? Gita. Gita, um, is that when you were talking before, I, I would have never known that it had only been two years you had said, right? Oh, one year. One year, one, one year because I don't know if you noticed, Gita was one of those people walking. So 31 years in a chair, I wanted what she had in those moments walking around and that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to absorb today is I'm finding out more about the EXO and starting to walk again. And knowing full well that you're doing it, but yet different fears come up and so forth that prevent us from doing things. But I'm telling you now, you get on your feet within a year and do the walking that you're walking, you can do anything, my friend. You're, anything you're ahead you of the curve, your you're, you're doing great. There's a question in the back, yes. So it's, it's more a comment. Uh, C5, C6 break six years ago. Spent a couple months here at Kessler. I'm also a Catholic priest. And I think faith, although we can't talk about it now, faith plays in, can play an important part of your recovery. Why can't we talk about it? Well, when I was here, I noticed that 40 people on second floor, a good number of them in the therapy room were badly depressed. Badly depressed. Depression was a, a major issue with so many of the people, and with good reason. I mean, they had to face a difficult life. I don't blame them for that. Obviously, you're not depressed, none of you. And I suspect that the people who are here today are not depressed. They wouldn't come here trying to better their life if they weren't happy and if they weren't anxious to do something. My question is what's the difference? What makes the difference from so many of those people who are depressed, 
when I'm sitting home alone doing nothing but watching TV, and the rest of us who are doing vital things in life, and maybe it's sports, maybe it's preaching, maybe it's uh, working again, but what's the difference between the depressed people uh, who respond to their adversity with, with anger and depression, and those of us who, who uh, want to do better? Let me, let, well, let me get, <laughs> go I was a pretty outgoing guy, as Ron knows, okay? I wasn't really depressed. I was scared, and it was new, and I was frightened. I think that's the biggest thing is the unknown on the other side. As being, if you were just here, you're brand new to it, okay? You just got here from a hospital, from surgery. You had that life two or three weeks before, as did I, okay? And it's the unknown, all right? And you were scared more than anything else. Now, some people had bad attitudes. As Ron knows, I had a great attitude. There were some people in that therapy room that had a terrible attitude, all right? Some were shocked. Some came from gangs. Some came from very dysfunctional families, all right? So it, there's a lot to it that happened prior to their injury, most likely, in my opinion, from what I observed. No, that's an excellent point. And I, I, I think uh, one of the, the things, too, is you look at us, and I think, I'll be honest with you, I struggle. There are days I struggle. You know, it's not like, hey, I'm getting up and going to work. You know, there are days it's just like it's, I have to drag myself out of bed, you know. And, but the way I look at it, what's my choice? I can either lie in bed and give up or I move on. And I think that's the choice, and every day is like that. And I think we also have to keep perspective. I had a friend who served in Vietnam who said something to me one time. He, he said, when I'm having a crappy day, I look back and at a time when I was in Vietnam, he was a, a gunner and a chopper. And he says, those were some bad days. And when I look at it now, these days aren't so bad. And so I think if we all look back to when we were first injured and those early times when we were struggling with things, maybe having a bad day now, but you know what? It sure is a lot better than it was back then. And we're a lot wiser. And so you just forge on. That's all you can do. Yeah, I mean, I think different people handle adverse, adversity differently. Um, I know kind of like what, what we've been saying here is there are definitely days where it sucks, like to be honest with you. And I'm sure there's gonna be days in the future where I'm gonna be like, this is very frustrating. Most, I, just the, the events that come to mind is I really hate when like, say it's in the summer, I'm in my car, I park, and it downpours. Like, it takes me a couple minutes to get out of my chair, get my chair out of my car, put my chair together, get in my chair, and then get to wherever I have to go. Then I see all these other people jumping out of their cars, sprinting to inside to their apartment, right? Like, that's where it really, I'm like, gosh, this sometimes stinks. But I think that's good, too. Like, no one's life is hunky-dory. It's very easy to be like, think about, oh, my situation right here, right now. But you don't know what that person who's sprinting out of the, their car into the apartment, what they're going through in their everyday life. Um, 
And I mean, through the different activities that I've gotten to do, all the friendships, all the, um, yeah, the, just everything. I, I've, I've also gone skydiving, um, been able to travel so much with different teams I've been a part of. Um, I mean, the biggest other thing is like rely on the people around you because they've been through probably that same um, challenge that you've you're you might be encountering for the first time. Um, so I mean, you just gotta not let those small moments overwhelm you and uh, keep you from doing something. I think so. Yeah. Um. I made a, a pledge to myself, it was about a dozen years ago, and I, I said, no more bad days. No more bad days. Now that's not trying to sound inspirational, motivational, or heroic. I said that because, you know what, I, I've, I've realized in my life and then through my travels and learning from people who so much more less fortunate than I was, but were choosing to thrive in their lives nonetheless, is that to get to that root of what you were saying, why people feel that way, and I think why we all on the stage have felt that way at some point in our lives, is that I, I think it's a matter of focusing on more of what's not right with our lives rather than focusing on what's right with our lives. And that takes me, I'm asked all the time, you know, how do you do it? Why do you, you, you always have a smile on your face. First of all, I don't always have a smile on my face. But I said, no more bad days, only challenging moments. Now I live with pain in my legs every day, I refuse to take medication, I have spasms that might throw my balance off from time to time. I have moments of sadness. Every single, not a day goes by where I don't think about what would life be like if I was still on my feet. So I have challenging moments. But it's this thing that's, I believe, more powerful than anything. It's called gratitude and focusing what I still have. Because for every one thing that you tell me is legitimately challenging, painful, depressing about your life, I'm going to tell you that there's 10,000 things that are awesome about your life. And we could start creating that list if you want. But I realized that is a quick fix to whether it be sadness, even um, depression, in which I've worked with people on before and everything, is getting around to what is right with your life and, and changing that focus. That's the beginning. That gives you an energy in, in which you want to go on. Um, gratitude. Having an attitude of gratitude. That's great. Thanks, Scott. I just have a short... Um I think a key word for me is perseverance. We all have the struggles, we all have um, tough moments, but as long as you persevere, um, you'll come out on top. I think Ron, you, do you want to speak to this too? I mean, because you, you know, if you're like... Um, I think you just have to, I think part of how it started out for me was, um, I used to lie in bed every day. I was depressed. Uh, I just would wish I didn't wake up in the morning, and I would wake up in the morning. So finally, uh, one day I said I could lie here, like you were saying, and wither away, where I could get up and start doing stuff. So my getting up to start doing things started with getting up, doing my bowel program, and taking a shower. Then getting up, doing my bowel program, getting dressed nicely, combing my hair, shaving every few days. And really just getting up and doing those things made me feel a lot better about myself, that I can, could do those things. Um, and also, I remembered as I progressed that when I started to kind of regress a little bit, 
and become depressed again, I imagine this big black blob behind me. And if this black blob ever caught up with me, it would just drag me down. So I said to myself, I have to keep pushing forward, no matter what it was, whether it was taking one class a semester at community college. And that's how I started out going to school and getting my college degree, getting an undergrad in psychology. So from little things, you can build big things. You know, so you start out very small. And um, Scott had mentioned, you know, the extreme thing about skydiving. And he brought, what he brought to my mind was, yes, I didn't go one day from waking up saying, I want to go skydiving. The most challenging thing for me when I got home from Kessler was trying to figure out how I was going to open up the refrigerator and open up a can of Coke without asking somebody for help. And I figured it out. Um, so just any little challenge, you know, don't say no to yourself. Always say yes and then figure it out. So that's kind of... Charlie, anything to add? Your own experiences? Well, and along, along the same lines, it's, uh, it's very important to focus on what you have versus what you don't have. And someone said uh, early on in the hospital, I was having a conversation with uh, one of my nurses and I was, they didn't give out power chairs at the time and I had a broken arm, I couldn't move my chair. I had a halo on, I was sitting in the corner outside of a window, um, obviously deeply affected by all the loss that I had. And uh, the, the nurse said to me, you know, you, you're gonna have some challenges, you're gonna go through a lot, but pretty soon you're gonna have to decide, are you going to focus on what you have or what you don't have? You might have had you know, 50,000 things you could do on any given day before your injury. Now you've got 10,000 things you could do. It ain't the same, but it's still a heck of a lot that you could be doing on a, to make your life exciting and enjoyable. Thanks, Charlie. How are we? I think we're still doing okay for time. Before I move on, are there any questions, comments from the audience? Yes. I have a question about Electro. Yeah. Um, my husband, he wants us to go to India to visit my parents and in-laws next year. Uh, so I'm, I need to know, like, in the, in the airplane, if you have to use a restroom, the thing is for me, uh, if I have to go, I have to go right away. And there are some times when things get crowded and you can't go. So how? And first question is, will they take you in the aisle chair all the way into the restroom and then you can transfer out? How does it work? The eye chair goes into the restroom area. <coughs> and the second thing is like if, you, if I have to go and then there are crowd all over, then it's going to create a problem. Sure, sure. Any of our international travelers have? Do you have, do you have a catheter or you're not catheterized? Yeah. yeah. You're not catheterized? So yeah, that's yeah, one so. option is to, for those trips, is to consider catheterizing, you know, getting an, an internal, you know, a catheter put in, or to self-cath, learn how to catheterize yourself. And then that way you can proactively empty your bladder. Okay, so that's one option. Um, and then I don't, it's, I haven't flown internationally, so. I mean, what I sometimes do is, like, I plan ahead. Um, I do cath, so, I mean, that's a little bit of a difference. But 
I, like in my oh, head, I know, say, oh. like I've been, I've gone to Denmark or um, Japan. Even Japan was a longer trip. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I need to use the bathroom every three to four hours. So I get to two and a half, two hours, forty five minutes. I start seeking out where the stewardess is. Um, explain, hey, I'm gonna start. I need to get this going. That way, by the time I know that I'm really going to have to go, I'm already on my way there. Like they take you right into the yep. Yeah, they'll bring the, the, on the longer trips, they'll have like an aisle chair right on the plane itself. They'll bring it down, you transfer in, they'll bring you down, and then you transfer on to the toilet, and then vice versa, and you just let them know. And I was just going to say, because I've had the experience of uh, flying to India, um, all those different tips and travel guidelines that we had talked about, um, you definitely have to be your self-advocate when you're traveling abroad, because they don't always know about um, the guidelines as well. And I, I went to India, and they thought they could take my chair right at the check-in, and I had to be um, very vocal and let them know um, what I was used to and what I needed. Um, so, especially when you're traveling abroad, you have to voice what you need. My wife is actually Indian. Um, and we've, I've been there seven times now, it's like my second home, but done a lot of international travel as well. I think the best thing is uh, when you're getting on the plane is just really, and they're there to greet you, the, the flight attendants and to let them know there's a chance I'm gonna need to use the aisle chair so it's already in their mind. So then when you push the button and they come. Um, what I have found, because again, you, you don't wanna hold back any lines or anything, is that I usually share, can you take me up to first class? I'm always one that, I'm gonna ask anything yeah. I can, it's up to you to say no. So they take me up to first class, and then what happens is that the chair sometimes doesn't fit directly into uh, the bathroom, it it's, can get you right there and then you can do a transfer in. So what I've done before is that I've asked them and I've just, again, it, it's getting creative. I said, can you take some of those food carts out or the, um, the drink cart out and make a little wall? So basically they make a little wall and everything. I don't want to scare you or anything because you, you do what you got to do. If I don't go to the bathroom, I'm going to die. So I got to do it. I'm never going to see these people again. That's why I say in my mind, too, never going to see these people again. So I've had people to the point where if you were sitting in the back of the plane, all you see is my head. And then, but times I'll have them, can you pull a curtain as well? So they can pull a curtain and hold it from there. I'll have like three or four flight attendants doing something to assist me. And knowing full well that, you know what, if I don't, I'm running the risk and everything. But I, 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 and I know we laughed at it. If you really say that to yourself, I'll do that speaking sometimes. I'll say to myself, I'm never going to see these people again. I'm going to give it my best and I'm going to try, but I'm never going to see these people again. And I have to tell you for a long time, too, when I travel by myself, is that like I will make very close friends with the person next to me. And there's been times where I've asked people to throw like a blanket in terms of like not wanting to get on a... Uh, aisle chair and everything and I know that there's some people who will catheterize at their seat and someone will hold the blank or whatever so whatever it is that you're comfortable with just have that thought of what you might do in advance and uh, and again stranger things have happened there are wonderful chat forums out there 
in which people are talking about these things. What have you done on flights? And you know, a lot of people have done a lot of international travel. And they'll give tips like, wow, that was great. I never knew about the Mountain Dew bottle. I'm like, that's great because I always feel bad. I got to put it in the, like, the throw-up basket or something like that. But now I'm going to do Mountain Dew from now on. Well, or so. there's the CVS bag that turns it into this a solid. Yeah. Turn it into a solid. Yeah, but that's... Um, and again, just know with regards to travel is that if you are on your feet traveling internationally brings up so much fear and so much trepidation. Now it's a matter of planning things out in advance. But it, it's, it, and you've probably found this just in the year that you've been in chair, is that you, you get creative. Like you're taught a way to transfer, maybe you're transferring a little bit different now. You're taught how to uh, push a wheelchair, you do it a little bit different now. So you'll, you'll find your own way and you'll get creative about it. So. That was a plug you for your sponsor. Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you want to give him a little heads up because it could be a little shock. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, but what you can do, honestly, that thing in the barf bag, I couldn't think of the name. The barf bag might only take like half your bag, but you open that up and the actual bag. Oh, I see. There. You don't actually and pee into the bag. Huh? No, you don't pee in the bag. You pee in your regular bag, but then you conceal it. <laughs> He's fearless. Uh, yeah. I don't think I can yeah. do that. He's so, fearless, though. So. Jerry's definitely fearless. Yeah. <laughs> so I know I, him well. I think Ask, so. Try to bring him in the, India. You'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he'll, be, he'll advocate for you. He'll advocate for you. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, so I think, uh, some, I guess we should probably start wrapping things up. Just, just some parting shots from people before um, to, the, to the audience. Mary, Mary Ann just said one. I think we have one more question. Oh, I'm sorry, man. You all mentioned it, y'all. It's Jersey. I haven't had that problem. I mean, I don't know if you guys have had that or flying internationally, if there's any. But I've never had anybody, you know, go through my meds and I even repackage things. And so it's not in the original bottle because I lay things out like for my carry-on and stuff, and no. Um, the only problem I had was I put my uh, battery charger in my carry-on just because I didn't want it lost for my wheelchair, and they put it through the x-ray thing, and they were like, ah, we got to look at this. Mm -hmm. so they true. pulled it out. I mean, I understand that they need to do that, but when you see wires in a box, they got a little worried. So Yeah, yeah. I've got, got some button loop story. things that help too, and it's like, what's that, that pointy thing in your bag and stuff? Yeah, so. But but once you explain, then they're they're okay. Yeah, they're cool. Uh, we have a hand. Way in the back. In the back. I have a, I have a worse experience. They uh, fertilized my lawn. I rolled through the lawn. Oh boy. Got in the car. Uh, the oh. Oh. You know what happened? Oh. They the chair. Oh. Wow. <laughs> they a lot of fertilizer. Uh, oh. I was on the no-fly list for a while. Wow. Wow. Tennessee in the back. Yes, the Vols. Go Vols. <laughs> I, I need to know how to locate a powered beach chair. For my oh, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, Scott. Ron, do you? 
They, there's tanks. Oh, uh, they have one in San Diego. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only. No, nah, that's the only one power wheelchair I ever ran into. It's in the West Coast. Yeah. yeah, they have these tank chairs. I mean, they 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 do. I mean, they literally are a tracked chair, um, which are great for the outdoors. I mean, there's a lot of expensive toys that insurance won't cover, unfortunately. But uh, I know somebody who has one lives in the mountains of Pennsylvania and he puts a plow on the front and will plow, he'll drag trees around with it. And you tried Googling it. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry. Oh, into the beach chair? Yeah. yeah. That, that's a tough transfer, though. That was, was yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Because the person, one person is holding my leg. I'm like, please don't drop me. Please don't drop me. It was just six months after my surgery, and I didn't know mm -hmm. one more thing happened to me. Yeah. So. I, I, I usually thought that this thing should come up, and I can, I can do very well that for right. the transfer. Yeah. It should be moved. But <laughs> I'm also going to say, because now there's a couple things with you right now, if you don't mind me saying I'd love to see you get more comfortable with being carried, okay? Mm -hmm. and, no, 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 and, and honestly, you should come, with, I'll come with you to India. You can come with me to the beach this weekend because I'm gonna be carried everywhere. And if the end result is me being off my butt on a surfboard for three hours surfing and doing what I love, I don't care how I get there. Yeah. So the, the best thing that I tell, if it, it's two people, and guess what, I, your, your girlfriends could do this. Okay, is that if you picture person on either side of you, okay, and I'm not saying this works for everyone, I'm looking, I think, based on her walking and so forth, is that you can have someone under your shoulder, okay, with one, and then they put one arm under their leg and they carry it. So you could have two people carry you there, that way. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're kind of like this, over their shoulders like this, and they're carrying you, and they can carry you upstairs, they can carry you yeah. to the beach chair and get you different places. Yeah. I would just say, and it's not like you're relying on that, but when you have to get into certain places that you wanna be, whether it be your friends, whether to the beach, and so forth, just know that that's okay. It's not taking away your independence, but it's opening up to what it is that you wanna be doing more than anything. Don't get caught up in the process. Just know what the end result is gonna be. I think, yeah, so I think that's it for now. So what we'll do is we're going to end with Scott. We're going to, I guess, try to or stay, or how, how do you want us to do this? How would you like to just, we want to wrap up it's with up you, end. Scott. I don't know if they would, we can sing? No. <laughs> Kumbaya. Well, why don't you do the wrap up? We'll do the wrap up. There you And I could stay or go. Folks, real quick, I had mentioned in the beginning um, about asking those three questions, and I'm hoping that you know what you've been asking yourself through the day with the different topics and themes that have been brought up to you. What could I be doing more of? What could I be doing less of? And what could I be doing new? And again, I think with the more of and the less of is that there are answers that are coming up. And they could be related to the wheelchair, they could be not related to the wheelchair. 
but just begin, because I think the main thing now, we're talking on a Friday. We're here late in the day. It's been a long day. We're feeling a little tired, a little overwhelmed. I'm really going to suggest that you write some things down before you go to bed. And what I want that to be is a plan. A plan. And if it's just a couple things for beginning, okay? Don't try to get everything done by yesterday. I mean, it's impossible to get that done. So have things that are really of interest to you in which you're going to create a plan. And maybe you obtained as much information to actually execute that plan to make it happen. Maybe, you know what, you just got a little bit of an introductory taste to something today and you need more information. There is plenty of telephone numbers and information in your bag that you got and you can contact Kessler Foundation if you need any more information. But be resourceful and so forth and see yourself getting closer to what it is that you want. Just know through this process, and we've been talking about it through this panel as well, is that you know fear is going to come up. And a lot of times fear is masked in that word should. Because I know probably a bunch of you today were saying, yeah, yeah, maybe I should travel more. Or, you know what, maybe I should do this. Or, you know, maybe I should get out and socialize more. You know what we do with that word? We should. We end up shooting all over ourselves. <laughs> That's what we do. When we say I should do something, our mind's going to create an excuse for you not to do it, okay? You know that. So you need to make it a must. And the best way that I know how to turn a should into a must is to think about the feeling when this happens, when I create this change, when I do this, when I do that, how is it going to make me feel? And if it's better or great or I'm going to feel happy or I'm going to feel passionate, you know, that's my driving force. And then you start to see it. One of the things I loved about the Paralympics, I loved watching the Paralympics. I learned so much. There were so many sports that I had no idea about. And watching it with my wife and children was just a phenomenal experience. But what I learned, I listened to some of these interviews. And while the hours put into practice to perfect their craft, to, to perfect their sport, was so important, so many of these people were, create, uh, were crediting their success to creative visualization. So it's like they would tell, they were like laying on a bed and they would close their eyes and they would visualize themselves crossing uh, the finish line in world record time. And seeing that and comp putting music on while they were visualizing that or doing it in silence, but complementing that with their practice. Now that's sports, but I've seen people do this in business. I've seen people do this in whatever. But to know again what that feeling is gonna be like, not if, but when you make that happen, how is that gonna elevate your life? So somebody, I, I want three right now, three people to tell me real quick what you need to be doing more of, all right? Plant the seed here today. What do you need to be doing more of in your life? I want three answers. I knew you were going to be one of them. Yes. What do you need to be doing more of? I need to go out more. I had a rough I, summer. Okay. okay. I had a terrible summer. Uh, since I was released, I was sick. I was in the hospital. Surgery. Need to be going out more. So guess what? I, I love it. This is your oh. first day out. I love it. Okay? Right. Now, no, no, no. I'm going to take it to the next level. What interests you? What do you want to do when you go out? I need to go to restaurants. With my restaurants. You like to eat. Okay. Next no. question. You ready? <laughs> no. Careful what you wish for. Next question. What area do you live in? I, I live like uh, two miles from here. We had a move from my house in Hackensack because it wasn't acceptable. So we live in West Orange. You live in West Orange. I live in Verona. We're neighbors. Guess what? We're going out to dinner. 
I'm going to get on your calendar and we're going to make it happen. Ca careful what you wish for. Okay, somebody else. What you need to be doing more of in your life. He needs to socialize more. That might begin without going to restaurants more. He wants to do that. Boom. He's just in the process of making that happen. I'm not saying I'm granting you every wish I have. That's why they're up on stage. These guys are going to help me in a minute. Somebody else. Tell me something that you need to be doing more of in your life right now. Yes. Travel. Okay, guess what? Guess what? Dr. Trevor Dyson Hudson, he's got a private jet outside. You can go anywhere, anywhere in this world that you want to go. Where do you want to go and why? Philippines. Loved the Philippines when I was there. Psychic surgery, I had it done. Didn't do anything for me though. But great place, okay? So find out more. Again, you could talk to the lady here about accessible travel. Philippines is accessible. Not the most accessible, but there is a lot of accessibility there in the Philippines. Okay, financial. How am I going to make this happen? Building what's necessary. The bridge between where you are today and where you want to go, okay? But let me ask you this. When you get to the Philippines, how's it going to make you feel? How is that going to make you feel when you, when you get to the Philippines? You guess happy? Okay. She's getting smiled. I didn't even ask, how are you going to feel when you treat me to dinner? I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, one more, one more. What, somebody else. Yes. Bob, yes. More conferences like this. So, coming to Kessler more often. You want to come to Kessler more often. Trevor lives here. You can hang out with him. He doesn't go home. No, but you know what? I, what I like about that is that, guess what? It could be part of your accountability, holding you to getting out more, holding you to attend more conferences because there are, this is the best, but there are conferences. There's abilities expos and so forth. And also travel. Find somebody in here. Maybe you've made friends with someone. Hold yourself accountable to what it is that you need to be doing more of. Okay, real quick. What do you need to be doing less of in here? Some, three. I want three real quick. Less of in your life. Feeling sorry for yourself. I, you're not feeling sorry for yourself. No. I, know, <laughs> I like that though. Less feeling sorry for yourself. And, okay, so that's great to say, but here's where we get lost is that how are you going to do that? You need to fill that. What's this? How are you going to solve it? Reverse. You have to get yourself busy. You have to find more things to do. You have to. I, I got to play golf. He's got to play golf. He's got to go out to dinner. What do you need to be doing less? Okay. I'm just, before I say this, I need to, and guess what? You could say this has everything to do with your chair and nothing to do with your chair. I need to get off my damn phone more often. I can't tell you how much time during the day is spent on this phone, and I'm not saying it's always work, but wow, do I need to be doing less of that and more time with my children and more things that are meaningful. So I'm getting off my phone more. I need to be doing less time on my phone. Yes. What if? That's Very all good. in your mind. Your heart just wants to go to India. Your heart wants to sing. Is it your? Are you saying your mind? Is your mind getting you up in the exoskeleton walking? Your mind saying this is a waste of time. What are you doing? I mean, your heart's gotten you up there. Your heart saying, "I'm back on my feet." Look at all these people. The top of their head. I see Trevor's bald spot on the top of his head. That's what your heart's saying right now. So go into your heart more often. What do you need to be doing less of? Yes. Less what? 
less time on the computer. Less time, less time on a computer and phone. Oh, I know a lot of people feel that same way. Okay, real quick, what do we need to, and this might be the toughest one, and anyone up here can answer this too. What's something, and maybe it was triggered today with the great talks that we had and presentations and topics that were discussed. What's something new that you want to embark upon? That something's telling you, you know what, I got to do this. Maybe I haven't done it before. Yes? You want to get behind the wheel and do what? Drive. And drive. Okay. I like that. So the plan is, and I'm not sure, do you live near here? Awesome. Awesome. It's the tough one. I love it. So that's something new, driving for him. Two more. Something new that something's telling you, you know what, you Travel need to explore again. at this time. Travel again. Now, where are you going? Because guess what? Maggie's got a private jet, too, outside. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to go to Seattle for my nephew's wedding. He just got engaged yesterday. So wh when is that wedding? Do you know? Uh, I don't know the date. Probably next year, though, right? I, I would assume it's next year. Okay. So that's going to be your first trip. Okay, we'll talk about that during dinner in terms of preparation yeah. stuff. We can do that. I'm and not the seller, it's my wife that's going to be the hard seller. I didn't say she could come to dinner. <laughs> she stays at home. Um, one more new. What's something new? Something new. Come on, you got to take it. Something new was triggered at this conference today. Something new that maybe sparked a little bit of interest. Plant the seed now by sharing something that you want to explore. Something new. Yes, sir. Uh, I'm glad you said conference in March because right now she thought she had a stalker. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. So again, the travel portion of this and what's necessary and so forth. And again, if you didn't, these slides were great. Marion um, and Trevor and who was the other um, who did that? Linda. And Linda did. I'm sorry. And Linda did a great job with the presentation. But maybe there were still some more. There's going to be tons of questions and everything. You have the resources now to build that and make that happen. So, folks, I'm just telling you, you have the potential, but you need to put this into action. So as informed as you were, as inspired maybe that you were, as motivated as you were today, guess what? It's going to be here today and gone tomorrow unless you translate it into action, some type of definitive action. Write it down, put it into a plan, a plan that's tangible so that you can even if it's baby steps. We all know how to take baby steps because that's what we did in those beginning stages of rehab. If it needs to be baby steps, guess what? It's going to be well worth the journey. Baby okay? Rolls. I'm sorry? Baby rolls. Baby rolls. <laughs> I like that. I like that. It's going to be a long dinner, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Does anybody have any, any questions? Any questions? All right, fantastic. Well, I'm going to... I'm sorry? I'm not a lawyer. But no, no, that's okay. You, you, you think of me as a lawyer. My grandfather, who's in his grave, is very proud that you just said that. He's very proud, but I'm not. But I'll tell you right now, 13-year-old daughter at home, oh, she's going to be a lawyer. Yeah. She's going to be a lawyer. But that's a whole other conference. Gene? Or Trevor? Gene? Thank you, folks. Let's take a moment to thank them. For everybody. This presentation was recorded on Friday, September 23, 2016, and was hosted by the Northern New Jersey Spinal Cord Injury System.
a collaborative effort of Kessler Foundation, Kessler Institute for Rehabilitation, and University Hospital. NNJSCIS is supported by the National Institute on Disability, Independent Living, and Rehabilitation Research. NIDLER is a center within the Administration for Community Living in the Department of Health and Human Services. The ideas expressed during this conference do not necessarily represent the policy of NIDLER, ACL, HHS, or the federal government. If you have a brain or spinal cord injury, stroke, or multiple sclerosis, access to world-class research is right in West Orange. Kessler Foundation researches the latest treatments for these conditions. We are looking for research volunteers with brain or spinal cord injury, stroke, or MS. We also need healthy persons to serve as controls in our studies. There is no cost to join our studies, and you may be compensated. For information, call Kessler Foundation at 844-KF-STUDY. That's 844-KF-STUDY.